three, two, one. What's going on, everyone? My name is Thomas Jordan, and you're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 20. Today is going to be a little bit different of an episode. Normally, I have an intro, an outro, all that good stuff. Uh, If you've been listening um, for these last 19 episodes, I truly appreciate every single one of you. Um, But as I mentioned, this episode is going to be a little different. There's... um, I'm going to try to be as vulnerable as possible and uh, tell you a story about why I left Los Angeles. And to be honest with you, not a lot of people know. I left Los Angeles about a year ago and didn't really tell anybody. There's a handful of people who knew, but it was just, it was, it was time for me to go. And I'm going to tell you why I left and how hard it was. And it's what, you know, what I experienced. I don't really have, you know, I have a couple notes here written, but uh, this is just kind of off the cuff. It's going to, I know it's going to come off a little negative, but it's my experience and it's, you know, it's what happened to me. And if this is your first time listening, you know, I recommend you check out episode one to kind of give me or to give you a little context of who I am and what I do. But just a quick, you know, a quick recap, you know, I've been in broadcasting now for the last 10 years. Um, I got my first job in 2011 in Colorado as a reporter weatherman with all intentions to get to Los Angeles. That's all I talked about. And, you know, my next market was Eugene, Oregon, then, you know, Traverse City, Michigan, and then Los Angeles. <sighs> um, like I said, this is this is one of the harder stories I have to tell because this, this is just this is one of those moments in my career, which were one of the hardest moments in my life. So as I just mentioned, when the whole reason I wanted to go to LA was to be the next Seacrest, right? And to do that, I, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of how these hosts make it, right? And every host, you know, I was, you know, I watched E, right? I wanted to get to E News and I looked on their website and I read everybody's bio and everybody had news experience. So I was like, damn, that's what I need to do. So it's the only reason I got into broadcast news. And when I did, it was like gloom and doom all the time. Kind of like when you flip on the news, there's nothing positive. It's all negative. And I was always pitching, you know, more positive stories and everything. And it was one of those best worst experiences. It's like you just get a real, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. That first year of broadcast news was literally the hardest thing. It broke me. And, but I learned from it and respected it and I respect the people still in it, even though I'm not a huge fan of the broadcast, like broadcast news industry. Um, yeah. So after, you know, I even got, I remember that's all I talked about and all my coworkers at each one of those stations would tell you that that's all I talked about is LA, LA, LA. I got to get to LA. I got to, got to get to LA. This place is just stepping stone. And some of these people used to get super pissed at me. You know, I had a sports guy pull me aside one time in Oregon was like, bro, you need to chill out. He's like, a lot of these people, you know, you, you sound like, you know, that's just a stepping stone and you know, we should be in better places and you're just trashing our town that we love so much. I'm like, I'm not trashing it, man. It's just small town. Like I don't understand why everybody's, you know, wanting to stay here. I don't get it. Like, doesn't anybody, everybody want something bigger and better? Yeah, no, that's not the case. Uh, people got really pissed off at me for that. But once again, that's all I talked about. So when I finally got there after, you know, Colorado to Oregon to Michigan, and I had to stay in Vegas for a little bit uh, with some friends until I got everything figured out. And, you know, through the news industry, I actually got a great contact to stay somewhere uh, with somebody with a fellow news person. So it wasn't too bad. Um, But I just remember driving into LA with my car just packed to the gills. I mean, everything I owned was in my car. 
and it was just, I came around this bend, I think it was in Laurel Canyon and you just see the city like you see in reality shows or you see in the movies, that cityscape of LA. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is so cool. Like, I can't believe I'm here. And that feeling like, you you know, you get there, you're super excited. You finally, you know, you get settled. I got settled in my house or the room I was renting. And, um, then rents due. my rent was $1,200 to rent a room in this townhouse, $1,200 for just the room plus all my other bills. I had no job. So you're like on Craigslist all the time. Just like, bam, bam, bam. I got it taken any job. I got a valet job, you know, applying for all these news gigs, these hosting gigs. And, you know, it, you just, you're just scrambling. I ended up, you know, working with this PR agency while doing valet, you know, that was just like barely paying the bills. Thank God I had some savings. But then after that six months where you like, it's almost like being in a relationship in a sense of the honeymoon phase. Like it was cool at first cause it's sunny all the time. Like the palm trees, you go to the beach, you know, the traffic is bad, but you don't really mind it. But then like reality starts to really set in and you start to kind of see how the industry works, especially my industry with hosting and more so hosting than reporting. We'll just say hosting. Um, And it's just not what you think, because in news, if you go to L.A., that is a number two market. The best of the best are there. But when I got to L.A., I didn't meet the best of the best. The only time I met the best of the best is when I was on a red carpet standing next to people from E access Hollywood ET. Those were the pros, but I also noticed those people weren't trying to help anybody else, which is fine. Like it's a cutthroat industry. I get it, but it was just really unfortunate like no coffees, no, Hey man, I'll hold your bag. Like, no, 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 that's not happening. They probably, God knows what they had to do to get that job. And they're holding on for dear life and they're not sharing any secrets, but it's like the people I was surrounded with in news are just hard hitting, man. I mean, you're hustling, you're grinding, you're hitting deadlines, you're writing, you're shooting, you're editing. And that's not the the quote unquote hosts and reporters that I was running into, it was like they tried to skip the line and just go straight to LA. Like they didn't they didn't grind it out in these crappy small markets, making no money and having ridiculous work deadlines and all these all this work that had to be done. This ridiculous work. It's like they just wanted to be on camera. It was like cute. It was almost like, oh, it's cute. Like, oh, we'll just host. (laughs) Let's just host. And after it took a while, because it was like, oh, it's just a handful. It's just a handful. But then it kept happening. You start to meet these people and you start asking them questions that they should know. Oh, yeah. You know, what editing software are you guys using? What cameras are you using? What lens is that? How long did it take you to edit that? Oh, you worked in TV before what station? Did you use iNews or Edius? What did you use? Almost like testing them. And none of them could come up with anything, which is fine. But for, for what I went through to get there, I had a lot higher of a standard. And when I met people who had news experience, I respected a whole lot more. Because they went through the trenches. They didn't just skip the line. And that's and that's what it was. And one of the roommates, uh, after I had left, you know, Studio City and moved in uh, with one of my, you know, still friends. You know, we even came up with a name for some of these people. And it was The Seekers. We call them The Seekers. People seeking attention. And it's not just hosts. That's everybody in the industry. 
You just sit there and watch. I mean, you watch, turn on Instagram and see what's up. Seekers, the ones seeking attention, they're everywhere. They will do anything for attention and step over anybody to get there. And then you have the pretenders who just talk a good game. You just talk a good game and man, they could talk their way into a room. They could talk their way into anywhere and, you know, mazel tov, do your thing, dude. But man, when it came down to actually doing the work, and it was just really disheartening because I had worked so hard. I'm not trying to come down too hard on these people. And I know I sound maybe a little like pompous about it, but it's like, I was so irritated with these people. It's like I put in all this work and they just skip the line. And then there's certain groups, you know, these groups, even on Facebook. And a lot of these people are just complaining. They're complaining. They're judging certain people who are at a higher level than themselves. And it was just so frustrating trying to give advice and, you know, sell their, 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 God knows what they were trying to sell classes. And it's like, everyone just wanted to get on the red carpet. That's all people wanted to do. I just want to get on the red carpet. I just want to get on the red. It's like, you wanted to do it just to look cool on Instagram. And then the companies that, that were out there, these third party companies. So when you're on a red carpet, just picture a line. You've got your networks and then you have digital, which is, you know, your YouTube channels, your blogs, your vlogs, magazines just grouped up, right? And the P and a lot of the people, these third party companies, there are so many people who want to do it for free that that was like the standard, like no, like the rate I had, I was like, this is my rate. They would laugh. They're like, I just get somebody to do it for free. Yeah. And people do it for free all day long. So they can look cool on Instagram, call themselves a host. This happened for the entire five years I was there and it drove me nuts. People say I was, you know, you could say I was pissed off. You could say I was jealous. I don't think I was, I just had FOMO. I was just, I was so, I had FOMO. FOMO was, FOMO is a good word. And it just blew my mind how everything works. Just everything just started to settle in. I was like, this is messed up. And it progressively got worse as I was there. I even had the opportunity to work for a network, which was great, but it's like, and it paid, it paid well. And I freelanced and I'm thankful to this day to have the job, but just the way I was treated and like, it was like, there was zero respect. I was just another face and it was just like, they didn't care. They didn't care. They'd call you like an hour before an event and be like, Oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Like an hour before the event. And like in LA, it's a like it's a very hard thing. You got to fight. You got to get ready. You got to do your research. You got to send questions. You got to get dressed. And then you've got to fight the traffic to get to said event, fight the parking and then get there. And it just, it was, it sucked. And then when I just, I'll never forget like this one time I was, uh, doing this interview for, uh, father figures with Owen Wilson and, uh, Ed Helms and Terry Bradshaw. It was like this all-star cast and, you know, you get there, you put some personality into it, ask them questions, get the feedback, get your sound bites, whatever. I send it back to my boss and he's like, yeah, you know, um, can you just like stop joking around? Like we can hear you like laughing in the, in the microphone. It's like, okay. Stuff like that. Like sucking the fun out of my, per- like almost like it's like, it's not even fun anymore. Like the reason you get into it is because you love what you do. And it's like, now you're making me hate it. 
and I try to provide as much value as, as, as humanly possible. I was like, I don't understand. Like I can write, shoot and edit circles around the people you've got. Why don't you just hire me full time? I got this. Nope. Nope. And I know this sounds like, you know, first world problems here, but it's just, this is what happens. Like when I was there, it's like you go to, you know, chase your dream only to have it stepped on. And then you find out, then you start finding out other stuff. You start, you start finding out about these celebrity hosts who will remain nameless. There's one in particular that is catching some serious fire right now. Actually, you know what? It's Ellen DeGeneres. It's well known in the industry that she doesn't treat her people well. It, it is very known and it is coming out now at the moment of this recording. And she is under some serious fire, but it's still, I feel like Hollywood's protecting her because you probably didn't even see it if you didn't know about it. Just Google it on what she's done. And it's a secret in Hollywood and in YouTube as well. The people in Hollywood that come off of the nicest that you're like, oh my God, I bet you that person's so nice in public. It is a secret that those people are the worst people on the planet. And it sounds crazy until you see it for yourself and you're like, what? Like you hear these stories. I heard stories from people who worked with her and I'm just like, there's no way. But why would they lie? And now it comes out. You probably didn't hear about it because I feel like Hollywood's probably protecting her. Whatever. That's fine. But there's other celebrity hosts out there. And, you know, they ha- it looks like they have everything put together, these numbers. Like, you go on their Instagram, and, oh, my God, they got all these followers. Well, just to let you know, you can, there's websites out there, and you can type in to see the percentages of what are real and what are not. And you see famous hosts, male and female, who have bought their followers, and they're not as big as you think. And then you start hearing rumors about said celebrity hosts who have companies that are meant to help other people on the way up taking positions from other hosts. Oh, come to me and tell me what you got so I can, you know, maybe guide you in this direction. No. And then they steal from them. They steal the job. They bring the opportunity for free. Oh yeah, I saw this thing for you know such and such, and you know I can't. Yeah, I'm gonna apply for it, and da 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 da. And then come to find out, said celebrity hosts has their team reach out to do it. And I was like, "There's no way." And then I kept hearing it from this said person, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And then on top of that, the company they run. I have heard allegedly whatever that they are not paying their employees either. That's the thing. They're using people in my profession. They know that they know their status. They know they're providing a service and equipment, but they're not, they're not paying them. So I have heard, I've heard this from multiple sources. And it's interesting because, you know, being the investigative reporter, I'd love to ask them. And then I'd love to ask them, show me proof. I want to hear. I want to see the money. And if it is, let's just say they are getting paid. I'm telling you, it's peanuts. It's nothing. And it's just like, it just breaks your, like your heart and soul. Like you put in all this work and just, just, it's just like crumbling in front of you every single day. And it's just such, it's just, oh God, it's just, it starts to wear on you. And it's like all I think about. And it just, every time I heard these types of stories, it's just, it would just crush me. It just crushed me. I feel bad, you know, cause like, I feel like I need to protect these people, but they just don't know. They let it happen. And it's like, I want to save them, but I can't save everybody or try to talk some sense into them. They don't want to listen. And it's not just that, you know, 
it's interesting because, you know, to kind of get off, you know, <laughs> the people in LA, I could circle back to that and talk about all like, it's just, if there were two words that could describe LA, it would be smoke and mirrors. It's just amazing how fake stuff is just from the people, whether they, how they treat you, they'll be super nice to your face. And then you hear they're talking crap. Hey man. Yeah. Let's collab. Yeah, dude. Come on. Let's do it. Oh, I know so-and-so's producer. Oh, really cool. Let's do it. Hey man, let's just hang out and like, let's just go grab a drink or grab some coffee and you know, we'll talk about the industry. It wasn't all like that, but I would say nine out of 10 times. Everybody's out. I'm telling you, everybody is out for themselves. Everything you hear about LA is a hundred percent true. You see all these influencers, quote unquote influencers. I hate that word, by the way. You see their pics on Instagram in front of the, you know, in the middle of the road at these palm trees, like, and how nice it is. Dude, that is fake as all get out. Okay. It is sunny all the time. People rave about the weather there. But I remember sometimes it's like, damn, can we just get some damn clouds in here? Or, oh my God, when it would rain. Holy crap. You would think the damn damn world's shutting down there. It is insane. It's insane how fake it is. I mean, you learn how fake TV is. I mean, your favorite reality shows are so fake. And it's just, you start learning, it's just really unfortunate. It's just like, it's like, I think I heard a famous comedian, Russell Peters, once say, it's like watching your favorite restaurant burn to the ground when you learn all these things. And it's so, I mean, the weather's great, but damn, I mean, oh my God. It's just, so. like I said, sometimes you pray for a cloudy day. It's so expensive there. I mean, my rent I mean, my rent was insane. $1,200 for a room. We got a deal in Hollywood one time. It was me and two other guys. I think my rent was in the seven to 800 range, but the house was a dump, is a dump in Hollywood. Like, I thought it was cool at first. I was like, oh, grunge, you know? But then you get homeless people hanging out front. Doing drugs, breaking into your car, stealing your change, setting up tents. The homeless problem in LA is a real problem. It is like the walking dead out there. I've heard stories of homeless people hitting, you know, going and asking for money and smashing people's hands with hammers. There's a huge mental health thing going on out there and no one is doing a thing about it and is spilling in the streets. It's awful. Like you can't even walk to your car. Your car gets messed up out there. People backing into it, people side swiping it. I mean, you name it, it's happened. It's crazy out there. It is crazy. I mean, and it's dirty. Hollywood is the dirtiest place on earth. And that's the thing when I see these commercials for come to California, huh? Celebrities and sunshine and all this stuff it is terrible. It is so dirty. Hollywood is a toilet. There are homeless people defecating and pissing in the streets. I've seen it happen so many times. People run out in front of you. The beaches are crowded. I mean, it is insane. The beaches are dirty, filled with glass and cigarette butts. It's so gross and it's so crowded. You can't even enjoy it, but some people love it. You know what? If you can love it and take it, you knock yourself out. It was not for me. I mean, even living your living situations, you're always with roommates because the rent is so high. It is so expensive. You have to work three jobs and then start to work on why you're there, which is like I said, first world problems. And that's what you signed up for and da, 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 da. But I'm telling you, it wears on you after a while. 
because you start getting distracted. You know, you're working your jobs, you're working late, and then you've got to put that little ounce of energy. You got to give 110% to do what you got to do. It's, man. And even, and it's just crazy because I had this one roommate, and it's just so funny because the, the lack of self awareness for people just blows my mind, especially coming from somebody who is from the South. I live with this guy and we, you know, it was three dudes. It was a three bedroom, one bathroom. That was interesting. (laughs) And looking back on that, like I said, it's like the typical Hollywood grunge thing or whatever. It was, it was cool, but like just little stuff like the trash. I had the guy, I was like, Hey man, can you take out the trash? We're kind of busy with this. Oh no, man, I can't. I was like, what do you mean you can't? He's like, well, you guys use it more than us. I was like, I'm sorry, what? This dude told us that he couldn't take out the trash because he basically insinuated that he didn't throw stuff away. I was like, what is good? Like you run into this stuff all the time. There's other people who are even worse. It's just, it blows my mind where these people come from. They call it Holly weird for a reason. I'm telling you, it is the capital for weird. Some weird, some good, some bad, but it is weird. I will say though, while all this was going on, one of my jobs, the valet job was kind of cool because it was at the Mondrian Hotel on Sunset Boulevard, and I got to drive every supercar known to man. I got to drive Ferraris, McLarens, Mercedes, Shelby Mustangs, these Audi A7 things, G-Wagons. Like It was cool, but once again, this kind of goes back to the smoke and mirrors because nine times out of ten, I'd get in that car tire pressure is low, no gas. They'd been smoking in it. It was dirty. Like these people, like it's just like they're fronting. It's probably a lease. They're probably due on their lease payment. And I actually got to meet to me more when I was there on accident. That was kind of cool as a valet. I was like, Oh man, this is awesome. <laughs> and then I got a job as a bartender because you were, you know, you hear these stories of, oh, I moved to LA. Oh, I was waiting tables. I was bartending. So I bartended. I'll be honest with you, bartending in LA was probably the best time that I had while I was there. I worked on Sunset right across from the Mondrian, right next to the People Store at this bar called Saddle Ranch Chop House. They had a reality show there. You may have heard of it. When you're bartending there, that was like the running joke, like, oh, everyone's worked at Saddle Ranch. And at the time, I mean, just the energy, the music, everything was great. The people there were great. The money was great. The girls were, I mean, very, I mean, it's LA. Everybody's super attractive guys and girls, but it was the closest. I mean, I don't know how this is going to sound, but it was like the closest thing to feeling like a celebrity because everybody wanted to talk to you. Everyone was like being nice to you and, you know, everybody else was in like everybody was so cool. Everybody at that restaurant was so cool, except for the manager. Super dick. If Eric is still working there, God, dude, that guy is such a dick. Like on a whole different level, I could do a whole episode on the management there being utter trash and I refuse to go there ever again just because just because of them but that being said it was awesome working there minus the management when management wasn't involved we had a great time the guys were super cool the girls were super cool the clientele was super cool it was like having a party all the time but it's a problem because he gets sucked into it Like I went to LA to focus, be a host, you know, get in the entertainment industry, do my thing. But, you know, I got sucked into bartending, the lifestyle, the party lifestyle. You know, you go into work at seven o'clock, you bartend till two, three in the morning, finish up, count down your drawer till four, wait till everyone's done. All of a sudden it's five o'clock. Hey, let's go to Mel's diner. It's open. Okay. Go to Mel's Diner. Hey, let's go over to Elise's house and start drinking. Okay. 
Oh my God, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. You guys want breakfast? Cool. Oh man, it's noon. And that was it. That was like me. That was like my schedule for like three years. I got distracted. I got sucked into the lifestyle. And then after one time, I was like, what am I even doing? Because you're just having fun. You're hanging out. You're partying. No drug. I didn't do any drugs. But man, I mean, you get free booze. You start making friends with other bartenders. They start hooking you up. Like it was awesome. The party, it was just fun. But I got sucked into it for like three years. I was like, oh, crap. Like, what am I doing here? You know? So the people you meet in the search, if you ever go, because I'll never discourage anybody from going to LA, but if you ever go, the people in the service industry are some of the nicest people you will ever meet. So there's that. (laughs) But, you know, shortly after uh, bartending, I unfortunately hurt my knee. I've got really bad knees. And at this point I was already kind of done with L I was done with LA year one. I could have left year one. It was not for me. I just knew in the back of my head, but I was like, Oh my God, I got to be here. I got to be here. I got to be here. And I ended up hurting my knee. I dislocated my knee again. It happened when I was 16. It happened again. Let me tell you, knock on wood, I've never had anything break, but dislocating your knee is by far the most painful thing I have ever endured. It is so painful and the recovery is crap. Like I was literally on a couch for three to six months watching everybody do my job, watching everybody do their red carpets, watching, you know, whatever. And the only thing, you know, it's like I went from this party lifestyle and then just I halt because of my knee and you just, I, I couldn't move. I was like couch ridden. It's like, how much Netflix can you watch after a while? You know, thank God I had a great support system. But all I did to the only thing that would make me feel better is food. And then I just started eating and eating and eating. And I was used to being like 175, 185, whatever. I gained, I got up to, I stepped on a scale one time and it was 220. And I was like, what the hell did I do to myself? And there was this show, coincidentally enough, on TV called From Fit Fit to Fat to Fit. And the concept of the show is actually genius, but I'm sure super unhealthy. But these super fit trainers, right, who would, you know, they got, they had like three or four months to get as fat as humanly possible, no working out, just eating tons of calories, whatever they want. And then they would go to their client's house who was overweight as well. And now they're both overweight. Now they both have to lose it together. It was a great concept, but like, I just resonated with that show. I was like, Oh my God, like I'm that guy now. And I remember one time, like I could barely get up to go to the bathroom. And I obviously had to shower one time and I just like broke down in the shower I was like, what have I done to myself? I just sat there. I just like, it took me forever to sit down and it took me forever to get back up in a slippery tub, which is great. And I just cried. I cried so hard. I was like, what am I doing? Like, what is going on? I have no idea what's going on. It was horrible. Like I had this gaping, I could only describe it as this gaping, hole in my chest. I just felt like something was missing. I knew in the back of my head that I wasn't supposed to be there, but I tried to stick it out for as long as I humanly possibly could hang on to. It was like if I was hanging over a cliff on a bar and you just held on, you had to hold on for as long as you could. And as soon as you let go, that's it. You're done. I held on as long as I could and I hurt my, oh my God, it was awful. But then, like I said, I'm so thankful for my support system at the time. I don't know what I would have done without them. I'm so grateful for them. And when I finally emerged, like I I had to do something. So I started to eat a lot better. I started to do intermittent fasting. Um, You know, I started walking, I started hiking and just, you know, eventually lost the weight, you know, and bulked up a little bit which was great. I started to feel a lot better. You know, like I said, I was going on hikes. I was lifting heavy. Like I was fasting all the time. So 
it was, you know, it was great. But still, like, even when I got back to normal, like, I still had this gaping hole. And it was just this, this, like, I'm telling you, it's just this toxic energy that I always had around me while I was there. Like, I just, I could, it was like, there was like this dark cloud following away. Like, as, as, and I'm a, such a positive person and I've tried, I know it doesn't sound like that right now, but I tried so hard for so long just to be, just to be happy and be positive. And then some days were better than others, but it's so weird. It's just this, I felt it. It was just this toxic energy there. And I just, it was terrible. And it's so weird. I talk about the LA spell. LA does this weird spell to you. So if you ever go to LA and you're in the entertainment industry, because that's where it's at, it is the weirdest thing. You go there at first. And first of all, you either, I had this conversation with a fellow reporter who's moving there and it's down the middle. People either love it or absolutely hate it. I was one of those people who absolutely hated it hated it. And I know hate's a strong word. I hated it with every ounce of my being. Back to the LA spell. So you go to LA, you're super stoked, whatever. And then it's like, you know, you hate it. You know, you don't like it, but then you leave. Let's just say you go back home. You know, you go back home from wherever you came from me, Atlanta, you know, Ohio, Kansas, wherever. And like, you're like, Oh my God, I just needed a break from LA that lasts for about two or three days. And then this weird thing starts to happen where you get this anxiety, this anxiety FOMO feeling, and you've got to get back. You've got to get back to LA. You've got to get back. And then when you get back, you're like, what the hell? It's this, it's like I said, it's called the LA spell. It is the weirdest feeling ever. It didn't make any sense. It made no sense to me. It used to happen to me every, I only got to see my parents like once a year if I was lucky because I just didn't have the money. I missed weddings. I missed funerals because I didn't have any money. I had to lie to one of my best friends about why I couldn't come to his wedding because I had no money. I was so broke. It was awful. And then like you just get to a point and I started drinking and, you know, chain smoking cigarettes. It was bad. It was bad. And then you start having conversations with the universe because you're just like, I'm just lost. This lost person walking around with this toxic cloud. Like there's nothing I can do to get it off of me. And I was just like asking the universe, like, please help me. Like, I am so lost. Just please give me a sign. Like, please, just please something. Like, point me in the direction. That famous saying where... (laughs) You sometimes you get what you, you get what you ask for. Um, shortly after that, uh, I was in this weird moving situation. I had to put my stuff in storage. That's another story for another time, but my stuff got stolen. Just about all of my stuff got stolen and it happened on a Sunday. They called me on a Thursday I thought I was going to get arrested because I went down there hot. I wouldn't even say uh, that's an understatement. I went down there with the fire of God behind me. I was so mad and I felt it. It was like seeing red and blacking out. I was so angry and I snapped all everything that I was feeling at that time, all the hatred for the city, every like where I was, how I was feeling, I was overweight, like, oh my God, it all came into one moment and I snapped on this person because it happened on a Sunday and they decided to call me on a Thursday. Oh, hey, by the way, fast forward to what was left, what they didn't steal. I put it in this other place right next door. 
high fences, razor wire, alarm systems, state-of-the-art cameras. Two weeks go by, we get a call. Hey, Mr. Jordan. Um, you know, and they knew my story as well. Hey, Mr. Jordan, um, we, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but we basically, we got robbed last night and your, one of your things was the one affected. <sighs> I show up, everybody is as pissed as I was on that first go around. And I just, I had nothing left. I kept even ask. Oh, and real quick, I asked the universe again. It's like, Oh my God, like I'm already freaking. It's like, please just like, is this the sign? Like, just give me another, just give me a sign, please. And then two weeks later, after I said it again, this happened again. And then I started asking people, I'm like, guys, is this a sign? I wasn't, I, I was like delusional at that point. I was delusional. Of course, that's a sign. Any other person would be like, that's a sign. You get robbed and people steal everything you own. And when I say everything, I'm telling boxers, socks, shoes, boots, suits. And the one thing, the one thing that they took that just, they could have everything I had in that locker. They could have everything. The one thing that they stole was these Gary Vaynerchuk shoes. Those of you who don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a very successful entrepreneur, um, motivational type guy. Like if you've seen his stuff on Instagram, he came out with these shoes. I got to meet him. I have the footage. I have pictures. I have video of me. I have the receipt. I have everything. It's these yellow shoes and he signed it. And those, they stole those shoes and it was just like the biggest just stab to the heart. They stole those shoes. Those things had more sentimental value. Those are like the only positive things I could hold on to. And they stole them. It was, it was awful. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's so weird because I went home and it's, I had a long conversation with my manager friend and I explained everything to him. And, you know, I had went back to Atlanta, I think, you know, and talked to one of my mentors, uh, not too far after this happened. And he's like, you know what, man, like, it sounds like you hate it. Like, why are you even there? And I explained like, oh, you have to be there. It's LA. It's LA. You have to be there. And he's like, dude, I get what you're saying, but it's like, you're miserable. And that's when I kind of broke down to him. I was like, dude, I can't take it anymore. I'm so bad. He's like, you know what? He's like, look, he's like, you're still young. Go back and just do come back for a month. Come back for one month. And if you like it, stay, stay a couple of years. You're still, you're not even 40 yet. He's like, just come back for a month and see how it goes. And this is when I'm still asking the universe for stuff. I was like, all right, thanks, man. I really appreciate talking to you. I go back to LA and I talk to my manager friend and I tell him everything. And without even saying anything, he's like, dude, why don't you just go back for a month? And like my jaw, like my, I like turned white. I was like, what? And then I told him what my mentor said. So not only is the unit, I think it was like the universe giving me one last swing. Like not only did they rob you twice, this is it. There's no way he, he, he would have said that. There's no way he would have known. So I went back for a month and after, you know, and after that month, like after the third, cause normally it's about the third day is when that LA spell comes back, that anxiety, that FOMO that comes creeping, that LA, that LA spell gets you. I was like, here it comes day three. It's not here yet. Day four, not here yet. Day five, day six, day seven. It was the weirdest freeing moment ever because at it took five years for that feeling to not be there and that's when I knew that's when I knew I had to go that month was the quickest month ever keep in mind I I got to see my family once a year once a year for maybe less than a week 
it, I just knew. I get back and it's just, I told my manager, I was like, bro, I got to go. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm so, like, I just can't. And one day, I literally, on my birthday, May 2nd of 2019, I loaded up my car, everything I owned, or everything that I had left, I'm sorry, and left at 12.08 p.m. I felt... I'm surprised I didn't throw up the, the, it was like, I was the feeling that was going through me at that time was like a ticking time bomb. It was the most, it was like that mixed with adrenaline. Like it was something out of the movie. Like I was, I can't believe I didn't throw up, but at 1208 on May 2nd, I got my car, what was left, packed everything and can't, and just, drove across the country. I came up, I just remember seeing this this sign that was like welcome to Arizona. Oh, first of all, before I get to the Arizona sign, all I had in my car was a six-pack of water, a small bag of um what are those not not sun, uh not sunflower seeds but pumpkin seeds a small bag of pumpkin seeds and those natural valley bars the ones in the green box that they're super crunchy and when you open them the like crumbs go everywhere that's all i had i didn't like i didn't i didn't want to stop to and thank god i was still doing fast i didn't want to stop to eat i didn't want to stop to sleep i just wanted to go home i just wanted to go home And when I saw that sign, it was like, welcome to Arizona. And I crossed it. I cannot describe that feeling. It was like I was being baptized. That pressure was gone. And it was just like I was free. I know that sounds super corny, but I just just felt like it was just my soul had been cleansed. When I had went through Arizona and I'm not kidding you when I drove, I, and I hate driving. I didn't drive with the windows down. I had the AC kind of on and I drove in absolute silence and I only stopped to go to the bathroom and get gas and sleep, which I only stopped twice, but I literally just drove in utter silence on the way back with only my thoughts. It was, it was crazy and I hadn't eaten anything. I just remember I stopped in Albuquerque, I think, or some part of New Mexico and I think some part of Texas, whatever. But when I'm telling you, when I got home, it was so funny because I had been fasting for two and a half days and I barely ate anything, just enough to just keep me going. If I was thirsty, I'd just nip at my water. And I just remember getting back in the Waffle House. I ate Waffle House. That was the first thing I ate when I get back. I got home. And uh, first of all, the humidity almost killed me because in California, the weather is beautiful. But like you get out in Georgia weather in the middle of summer, it was like. (gasps) My sister was there. We didn't tell my parents I was coming. She helped me, you know, on the way home to help me find places to stop and stuff. But like I got chewed up by mosquitoes immediately. Like I couldn't breathe because of humidity. I was sweating out. Waffle House scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, diced, whatever, uh, hash brown. Oh my God. It was, but I was finally home. I was finally home and it just, it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, but it was just so great. It was so great being home. It's so great being home now. I cannot describe. People ask if I miss LA, not for a damn second. I don't even miss a beat when people ask, do you miss LA? I'm like, nope. It was just not for me. I hated it that much. I know there's people who love it. And if you want to go out there, do your thing, spring your wallet, and mentally prepare. It's going to be a roller coaster and make sure you plan something, have a plan. Cause if you don't, you're screwed, but I do miss, 
a few things out there. There is a small handful of people out there. You know who you are. I miss you. You are some of the best people that I ever met. I can count you on one hand. You guys are awesome. You helped me through everything a lot. And I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate what you've done for me more than you'll ever know. There's a certain fuzzy friend that I left behind who I miss dearly so much. Oh, and there's some awesome little food spots I'll miss just because like, you know, it's, it's just, I love food. There's this place in Culver city. If you ever go out, it's called public school. One Oh one, I think, Oh God, the best chicken and waffles you'll ever eat. There's a place in Anaheim called Portillo's, which is awesome because it was from, you know, I'm originally from Chicago. So being from Portillo's or, or just eating Portillo's as a kid and having it in California was great. It tasted the exact same now as it did when I was a kid. And there's this place in Huntington Beach, California. It's right across the street, right next to the Vans Skate Park. It's called Buns with a Z. They have the best burgers and fries. It is awesome. If you're ever in the Huntington Beach area, just type in Buns, B-U-N-Z. It is awesome food. Great people there too. Great guy who runs that place. It's so crazy because like the people in LA suck, but it's funny. The great people who lived there are actually from there. It's the most weird. It's the weirdest thing. Like, oh, I'm actually from here and they are the nicest people. It's crazy. And I know a lot of this is sound super negative and I didn't realize that this was going to be almost an hour, but you know, whatever I told you, this was going to be an episode, whether, you know, whatever. And I really don't know how this is going to turn out, but it's time to get to the positives um, with everything. My mental and physical health has changed drastically. I remember I lost 20 pounds when I got back. I mean, now that Corona's, you know, still doing its thing, I gained a lot of it back, but I gained, I lost a lot of weight. Just mentally, just, I was just, I'm just such in a better place. It's like I said, it's like I'm free. It was like I was in, I was like, I am free. I finally got a hold of my career because like once you're in the entertainment business and you see it for what it actually is and you see that you have very, very little control of what you do, that drives me nuts. I like to have my own control. I don't like to rely on other people to do stuff for me or just, I don't like to go through people to get, you know, it's, if it's not your agent, it's your manager. If you can't get an agent or manager, like you can't get in the door. And then it's like, you got to fight the politics that are in the office. And then God knows what some of these people have done to get these jobs. I don't even want to know. But since being back, I started my LLC. I started my online business, creating online courses and digital products and teaching what I learned to other people, teach them how to create content, how to shoot, how to edit. You don't have to be a damn cinematographer. Use your damn phone. And I've started to build a solid team around me. The publicist that I work with is Casey Peterson of KPPR, episode four. She, I just remember coming back when I was there, when I was home for that month. And we had, an, we had a meeting. I think it was set for like an hour. We ended up talking for four. And then I did an interview with her. She's great. And I still work. Casey's awesome. She gets the industry. She's young. She's just, she, she's just an amazing person. Like Southern hospitality and Southern people. It's a real thing. I went from having no agent to net and no representation to having two agents I am represented by one of the top talent agencies in Atlanta. And I just signed with another one to help me with more TV stuff, TV news stuff, to more broadcasting stuff. He's out of Pennsylvania. He's a boutique agency. He's killing it. He's doing it. I can get him on the phone, which sounds crazy because that's just, you don't ever get your agent on the phone. Um, but yeah, I went from no representation to having two agents. And I tell this to people all the time, just because you have an agent doesn't mean you get work. I mean, you get, it's just, it helps a lot, but I'll never forget when I did my interview, I'm literally at my interview and I'm sitting on the couch waiting to go in. All the agents and junior agents are in this room. I'm waiting because there's somebody else in there. This guy comes out. I still wish to this day. I remember his name. He was like, Hey man, I know you don't know me, but are you 
you know, are you waiting to, you know, do your interview? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I am. He's like, well, I know once again, I know you don't know me and I just want to let you know, this is kind of, this is my last day, but, um, I just wanted to tell you that I really hope you get this and I really hope you have a great day. I seriously mean that he shook my hand and left. I was like, what just happened? My mind was like, that emoji that's like boom, mind blown because it just doesn't happen when pe- just people aren't nice just people are so nice here some random guy who didn't know who I was I don't even remember the guy's name and you hear about these random acts of kindness happen all the time and it happened to me and I was like holy crap this guy who I don't even know the former group I used to hang out with in Atlanta hasn't returned one of my phone calls in years or even wished me a damn happy birthday in years. There's a couple, but like the majority. And this guy randomly is just like, yo, man, I hope you get this. I hope you have a great day. It's insane. It was insane. And I got back and another positive is I got to start fresh. I got to start by myself. If you've gotten to this far, I'm looking at the timer now, we're at 56 minutes and 42 seconds. I have not told a soul about being back. There's a small handful of people that know I'm back. And I know a handful of people won't even get, won't even get this far. And I don't care. It's whatever. This is my episode. But I get to start fresh. I get to start with a good team. I want to surround myself with driven, successful, smart hustlers, people who are creating content, people who've got big goals, big dreams. That was another thing when I got here is things came to a screeching halt because in LA, everybody moves at 100 miles an hour. And then when you get here, you got to find the people that go 100 miles an hour because a lot of people are content with what they have, what they are. They don't have any dreams. They don't have any ambitions. They are content and they will settle, which is so, that's so cool. If that's what you're happy with, then mazel tov. I, I love that, but that's not me. I'm still trying to do people say stuff. They're like, oh, well, you know, at least you tried. Hell no. I'm still going. I'm still doing the same things I was doing in LA here. Like Atlanta's huge. The Southeast is blowing up. And I am doubled down uh, all in here because I think this is, I'm getting more work than I ever did in LA. I did a commercial for the damn food network. I was on the thumbnail. You saw me for two seconds, but still I was in there. It was awesome. The people there were great. My agents and stuff are so nice. The people at the agency are so nice. The, The people, the actors are so nice. But I'm looking to surround myself with those type of people only. I don't have time to go to bars and clubs and do quote unquote extracurricular activities. You know, a thing here is like, oh, the hashtag, the lake life. No. If you want to do that, do that. I'm not getting sucked into that lifestyle. I don't, I barely drink anymore. That's my chill. I just want to do my own thing, work on my business and network with the people that I need to network and try to get and just do my thing, chase my dream here. I don't have time to go out and party and hang out like, like go to happy hour, bro. I can hear it. No, no, you weren't there for me. Then you're not going to be here for me now. I don't want to hear it. Sounds harsh, but it's like, yo, I'm doing my thing. And it's so funny because one of my almost breaking points or just with these realizations is like I said, people will say, oh, you know, you got to go to LA or New York. That's not true. I mean, I guess you do. I mean, one could make the argument, I guess. But it's like with everything going digital now, it just started to hit me like there are people on YouTube in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, making six figures selling hoodies and shirts by talking about cleaning eggs and farming and building fences and milking cows. Are you serious? And then the real kicker was there is a channel on YouTube about IBS. If you don't know what that is, it's irritable bowel syndrome. 
means you poop a lot. There is a YouTube channel with over 100,000 subscribers and all they talk about is IBS. They talk about poop all day and make money. And I'm sitting here grinding my face off trying to get on a red carpet and get paid a decent rate. And these people are shoveling the money. Now with TikTok, people create, it's insane. I would almost make the bet that LA is no longer going to be the place to be. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just, it hit me. You just don't need to be there. I'm sure stuff's going to keep going down, whatever. It's just like, oh my God, it's just, but being back here has just been so great. The people are so much nicer and just like little stuff. Can I tell you when I got back and I had to go to the grocery store in LA, the grocery store, if you went there, it would take you two hours. It'd take an hour to find parking and an hour to get through everything and possibly another hour to get out here. The parking spot, just getting a parking spot with no one with nothing there is like this weird feeling that comes over you. And I've talked to my other friend about this. It's like LA PTSD. It's like now that we're back, you just want to be alone. You just want to go to these open space. I used to, I used to crap all over people in the country, like all these country bumpkins. No way, I'm gonna live in the city. Like no way, hell, dude. I, I put my foot in my mouth all the time. Those of you who know me, I do it all the time. I couldn't. I can't wait to be out in the country now. I used to. My friend just bought a house on a farm, and I literally stood there just in the middle of nowhere, and just almost like Andy Dufresne and damn Shawshank Redemption. Like, oh my God, it was just so great to have space and you could breathe and just the positivity is just there. It's just, oh my God, it's so awesome. It makes you appreciate it, but it's so weird because it's like come full circle. Started in Atlanta, went to Colorado, went to Oregon, went to Michigan, went to Vegas, went to LA. Now I'm back. 10 years later and now I get to reconnect with my family which has been awesome I used to see them once a year and now I see them all the time they drive me crazy sometimes what family members don't but just getting to be home I have never like I never got homesick but I never that's why I always say like I never got homesick but man when you're since I've been back, it's just it's so weird because as much as I hate LA, it was the one another one of those best worst experiences. It has humbled me to know like I don't even think I haven't spoken to some of my old friends. I don't think they'd recognize me. Stuff that used to piss me off and get all fired up for, throw a quick fist, you know, whatever. No, like it's just not there. And a whole different just attitude and just, I'm just grateful. Just gratitude. I am so grateful. I'm grateful to be alive, first off. I'm glad to be healthy. I'm glad I have money. I'm glad I have met some of the best. <laughs> it's so funny. I had to leave LA to meet some of the best people in LA. I've connected with a couple people who are on my podcast who are just, just amazing people. And they're, they, they're living in LA. My one buddy who I talk to every day, he's in LA. Like I still have friends in LA and it's just so funny cause I've met more people, but man, it's crazy. I can't believe this has been over an hour talking about my story of why I left LA, how much I hated it and came out the other side. And, but to finish it up, I'm just so happy to be back, happy to be back with people who are just a lot of logical thinkers, a lot of like, they're just nice. It doesn't, does it, God, man, it doesn't kill you to be nice, but just great to be alive, just to be grateful, just to be, man, to not have that, 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 oh God, I can't describe that feeling of that cloud and that energy and that hole through me, I cannot describe. That's like, I, it's just for that to be gone is the best feeling. 
It's like I can finally breathe. It took five years, but I can finally breathe. But it was, like I said, just leaving L.A. and being there was the hardest thing I have ever been through. And I know eventually I'll have to go back for work, go back to maybe visit, but it's just... Man, I I can't even think about it. (laughs) I don't even want to think about it, but... Well, I appreciate it. I know this episode was actually a lot longer than I anticipated. I mean, we're going on an hour and five minutes. I think I've covered um, covered everything. I think I'm going to end on that note. So um, for those of you who have made it this far, I know a few people. Just please message me and just let me know you got this far. If this helped you, let me know. If you have any advice on L.A., And that's another thing real quick. I will never tell anybody to not go. I'll just tell them what they need to do to succeed there or to make sure they don't go through what I went through. I'd never tell anybody to not go to LA. The short answer is bring your wallet, have a plan. That's it. And just be mentally prepared for everything kind of wished I would have ended on being grateful just because that was such more positive note. But yeah, um, like I said, best worst experience of my life. Thank you so much for listening. You guys have a good night.